Today we're reading from the book of Luke. Luke, it's chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. And it says this. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes up to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you this. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, how beautiful it is that we get to call you, Father, and that you promise that you hear us. When we pray, your word says that if we seek after you with all of our hearts, that we will find you. Father, your children are gathered and we are seeking after you. Lord, I don't know where all of these brothers and sisters are, some of them. Lord, they're hurting and I just pray that you would be their peace today, Father God, I pray that it would be a peace that transcends all understanding, like a warm blanket around their soul. Father, would you remind them that they are yours. They are chosen and bought with a price. And Lord, I pray for the saints in this room who are shackled by, I don't know, grief and, and unforgiveness, Lord, that you have called them and you have cleansed them. And they just wear that shame around them. It stops them from living into the life that you have for them. Father, I pray that you would break those chains. Father, I pray that our eyes would just be attuned to all that you have for us today because you are so worthy. Lord, I pray for Pastor Neil as he comes and shares this message. Lord, would your power speak mightily in and through him. It's in the beautiful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, I too want to say good morning and say what a joy it is to be able to come and share God's Word with you today. Um, man, what a wonderful praise team. Isn't they, aren't they great? I, I love their smiles. I love their enthusiasm, um, what they share, and appreciate them so much. And they just prepare our hearts for the sharing of, of God's Word together. Um, when Chris told me I was going to be preaching today, I thanked him because um, yesterday uh, was my birthday, and so this is my first time to preach as a 63-year-old, so I'm glad to be able to do that. You know, my parents had a weird um, little custom that they developed uh, when I started preaching, and that was if my birthday fell on a Sunday, they would buy me a new suit so that I could preach in my birthday suit. Isn't that pretty good? So... 
Didn't fall on a Sunday this year. I don't know, but, uh, uh, but that was always fun telling folks, you're going to see me in my birthday suit, something you've never seen before, um, on a Sunday morning. So that was great. Um, we know that uh, Chris is in Egypt right now. I said, I don't know if he's walking like an Egyptian or not, if he's learned that, but um, he is there. Um, he spoke with Hannah, who you remember, we, we took a special collection for um, that special ministry that she has with women, and she was there smiling, and he's able there to teach and preach. They were all stuffed in a little taxi today or something, a bunch of them like crammed in there like sardines, but um, he's there, and he's preaching, and I've seen pictures of the worship and the folks that are there, so pray for him, pray for that ministry. He's coming home on Tuesday. Tuesday, pray for safe travel as he comes back. And you know, we are so blessed um, with the preachers we have here. Chris is just so wonderful in, in sharing the word and always challenges me and comes up with new views on things that I hadn't thought about before. And then, of course, there's always John Ed. Oh, my goodness. Um, here he is in his 80s. He's still preaching and still preaching strong. And I remember meeting him uh, when I had my first appointment in Tuskegee. I was at Tuskegee First Methodist, and I was in seminary in Atlanta, and I'd go back to the church on weekends to preach. And during the summer, I would be there all the time. Right across the street was a lady named Irma Walters. That was John Ed's mother-in-law. It was Joan's mother. So I got to meet John Ed, and of course, she would just keep talking about him and everything that was going on to the church and how Frazier was growing and all their plans and everything was going on. I just heard about John Ed and John Ed, and I even considered changing my name to Neil Ed. I thought that might be, that might be good, but never thought that I'd be here. So I am so um, excited to be sharing God's Word right here at, at Frazier Church, and we are talking about prayer. I've had some wonderful times, moments of prayer already, but that's what we're talking about. So just want to start with a, a moment of prayer as I begin. Lord, I just ask you, Lord, to bless the words of my mouth and to bless all the meditations of our hearts, O oh God. May they be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. And everyone said, amen. Well, we have here in Luke chapter 18 two parables about prayer. Um, in the beginning, he tells a parable about persistent prayer, and he talks about this widow who constantly goes um, to the judge about um, being heard, and, and Jesus says to, to, to continue, don't give up, continue to be persistent in prayer. And since I'm talking about prayer, I'm going to use one of uh, John Ed's methods and use the letter P today. So you're going to hear a lot of letter P's, and if you're taking note, you might want to put those down. So that first thing about prayer, and I'm going to talk about praying on purpose, pray on purpose, is persistence, that we need to be persistent in prayer. And so now he continues on with another parable about prayer, and he begins this way in verse 9. He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they treated others with contempt or despised others or looked down upon others. Um, people who are confident and trusting in ourselves. Um, it's so easy to do to become prideful in who we are and what we do, especially when we think about religious things. And Jesus is talking to them specifically um, about not having confidence in ourselves, not trusting in our own righteousness and the things that we have done. You know, he mentions in Luke chapter 16, just a couple chapters before this, Jesus says, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. 
It's not about those exterior things. It's not what everybody else sees or what you think of yourself. God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Trusting in ourselves, trusting in our own righteousness is looked down on upon God. And when we put ourselves up on pedestals, it's easy for us to look down on other people, isn't it? Um, kind of say, oh, I'm better than that person. Oh, I'm better. And we're going to see that in this parable. That's exactly what happened. Their walk, saying my walk is much better than theirs. And, of course, we don't really know about that other person's walk. It may be just a false assumption. So we read on. It says, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, the temple was the center of worship for the Jews. And for people who lived around the temple, it was a place of prayer, a place that they came where they knew God was close. Do you have a place in your own life? Where you feel close to God? And do you have your own temple? Maybe it's a closet, maybe it's a special room, maybe it's a chair, maybe it's a special place where you feel closer to God. Our bishop was speaking at our general conference and he was talking about how Jesus said the kingdom of God is near. It's close. I've come to bring the kingdom. So the kingdom is kind of running parallel to this earthly kingdom. They're side by sides. And there are moments when the kingdom draws very near. And indeed that there's breakthrough of God's spirit and the kingdom breaks in. I think we see that with revivals and with things like that. But there are also moments in our life and places in our life where we feel very close to God. That's what the temple was about. It was meant to be a house of prayer. In Matthew 21, we find Jesus after his triumphal entry into Jerusalem going to the temple. And what's he doing? overthrowing all the tables of those who are selling animals and the money changers and those who are selling doves. And he's yelling at them and says, this is meant to be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. A quote from Isaiah 56, 7, where Isaiah reminds people that his house is to be a house of prayer for all peoples. And so people went to the temple to pray, including Peter and John, after the day of Pentecost, were told it was their custom to go during the hour of prayer, go to the temple to pray. And it was on that occasion as they went, there was a lame man who was laid there at the entrance expecting alms, expecting some money from them. And they looked at him and said, you know, gold and silver, we don't have. But what we have, we give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. And as they're going to this place to pray, a miracle happens. And the man gets up and he walks and he leaps and he dances. A house of prayer, a house to be drawn close to God. And so these two men go to this place to pray, to come into the presence of God. But they're really there for two different reasons. And most people expected to see a Pharisee there. Picture this in your mind. He's in his beautiful robes and things like that. And his, probably he's got on his prayer shawl and all this. And, and uh, he has these long tassels and, and things and phylacteries around his arm and, and all of these things. And he's there praying and he's puffed up. And the other guy, a tax collector. Now, you wouldn't expect to see a tax collector in the temple praying. But these two men go to the temple to pray. A Pharisee and a tax collector. And he starts with the Pharisee. He says, this Pharisee standing by himself prayed. Some even say he prayed to himself while he was there. And he prayed thus, God, 
Pay attention to the eyes. I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, the unjust, the sinners, the adulterers, even like that tax collector standing over there. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. So one of the P's is a Pharisee. Who were the Pharisees? They were religious leaders. They came from a group that believed they were separated out, especially spiritually. They focused on the law. They did believe in resurrection from the dead. They did believe in angels and demons. They did believe in a spiritual realm. But they focused themselves upon the law and keeping the law and made sure everybody else did as well. The other large group were the Sadducees. They only believed in the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch or the Torah. And they were more political in their party and, and uh, more logical in their thinking, wanting to keep peace with the Romans. There were two other smaller groups, the Essenes, who isolated themselves, lived around Qumran. John the Baptist might have been a part of that. Jesus might have visited with them when he was in the wilderness being tempted. And the Zealots, who were the militant ones. But the Pharisees thought very highly of themselves, keeping the law, proud, boastful. I couldn't help but think of a song from a while back. Probably you've never heard of this. Mac Davis in 1974 wrote this song. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror. I get better looking each day. To know me is to love me. I must be one heck of a man. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble. But I'm doing the best that I can. Now, <laughs> I don't know if the Pharisee had a theme song, but that probably would be close. I mean, I'm so proud. It's hard to be humble, Lord, when you are as good a person as I am. And I know you love me and everybody loves me. His focus was on himself, not upon God. Instead of thy will be done, it was my will be done. <laughs> Just as I am, Lord, I'm so good. Trading good deeds for God's grace. Hear that? Trading good deeds for God's grace. And we sometimes fall into that trap. It's easy for us to judge that Pharisee about his self-righteousness and his looking to himself. But, you know, we fall into that trap now and then. Even this trap of keeping rules and, and stuff like that and looking down upon others who, who don't do it the same way that we do it. You know, um, people who um, just behave in different ways than we do. And uh, so it's so important that we recognize um, it's God's grace and not us. I think about when we look at pictures. If you get a picture on social media and you're in that picture, who do you look at first? Let's be honest. <laughs> what makes it a good picture? If you look good. Is your hair good? Were your eyes open? Were you smiling nicely? We do, don't we? We look at ourselves. It's easy for us to become um, self-focused. One time I had an opportunity to preach down at Gulf Shores. It was called a Galilean service. It was there in the state park by uh, Lake Shelby, right there behind us. And I'm standing there with the pulpit like this, and I'm, I'm preaching to the people out there. They're in their lawn chairs there in the parking lot. And I notice people are really, really focused on me. They're really attentive, and I'm, I'm beginning to get a little self-conscious. Is my zipper open? 
did I button my shirt wrong? Is there a bug on me or something? And after the service was over, I said to somebody, I said, what was everybody looking at? I noticed they were staring at me. I said, right behind you, there was an alligator <laughs> that was swimming, and we were all just watching to make sure he didn't make a turn towards you. So if there's a gator behind me or bear, y'all just let me know, all right? But, but we do have a tendency to focus on ourselves just like the Pharisee. And the thing that he had, the next P is pride, pride. Oh, he was filled with pride. He was so puffed up. What do the scriptures tell us about pride in Proverbs? Pride goes before destruction or before a fall, and a haunty spirit comes before a fall. Pride, being puffed up, comparing ourselves to others, being proud of who we are and what we do. My friends, I got to tell you something that's true. You are always going to find people who are worse than you. You don't have to look too hard. You can always find people who are worse than you, but you can also find people who are better than you. You always can. Pride interferes with that. It makes us think that we are the best, that we are praiseworthy, that we need to be at the top. The problem with this Pharisee is he could not see himself as a sinner. (laughs) I don't need anybody else. I'm good. I'm good. I'm really good. And so he praises himself and looks down on others. The other thing that we see in this Pharisee is prejudice. We don't like that word. Prejudice means to prejudge others. And again, folks, let's be honest. We do it, don't we? We look at somebody else, maybe we look at their skin color, maybe we look at the car they drive, maybe we look at the clothes they wear. Um, you know, there's all kinds of things that we look at the way that they talk, uh, the way they carry themselves, and we prejudge people don't we? That's exactly what the Pharisee was doing with the tax collector. I don't even think he knew his name. Not exactly sure how he knew he was a tax collector, but he did, and he looked at him, and he judged him for who he was, not knowing anything about his heart, not knowing anything about his lifestyle. Again, Jesus warned us about judging others without being careful to look at ourselves. Matthew 7, 4 and 5, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye When there is a log (laughs) in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Pharisee didn't see anything wrong with himself, but he saw a lot wrong with that other person. Sometimes we do that. We need to examine our own hearts and our own lives and not prejudge others. And then we move on to the tax collector. Um, The tax collector is there, standing far off. He doesn't want to be close to other people that are there. He wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven, but he beat upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Tax collector. Another P is a publican. That was another name for tax collectors. If you look in the King James Bible, you'll see this parable called the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. I'm not saying Republican. Okay, don't go out there. St. Pastor was talking about Republicans. A publican, a tax collector. Now, tax collectors were looked down upon because they were in cahoots. (laughs) They were holding hands with the Romans. They were collecting taxes for the Roman government. That was bad enough. But they also sometimes cheated out their own people because they would charge them more than was actually due to the Roman government, and then they would just pocket the rest of it. 
Oh, people dislike them. How many people here love the IRS? You like getting letters, phone calls from them? You know, there's just something. They're people too. One of my best friends that I've had for a long time, and we'd play golf and go on trips together and eat out together and stuff, he was a tax collector. He worked for the state tax department. And every time we went somewhere, he says, Neil, please don't tell them what I do. Please don't introduce. I said, hey, I'm in good company. I mean, Jesus, Jesus loved tax collectors, didn't he? I mean, one of them was named Levi, who was collecting taxes. Jesus says, hey, come follow me. He was also called Matthew. Matthew, one of the 12, the first book of the New Testament, written by Matthew, a tax collector. How about that? And who can forget the story of Zacchaeus? There in Jericho, up in the tree, he's up there trying to see Jesus. She says, hey, Zacchaeus, come on down, my friend. I'm going to have dinner at your house tonight. And Zacchaeus' life was changed. God loves sinners. God loves us right where we are, right who we are. And that leads me to the next P word, which is penitent. The tax collector was penitent. He was humble. Ashley and I watched the end of, how many, any, any Indiana Jones fans here? How, you remember the third installment, The Last Crusade? He had to go through three trials as he's on his way to the cave where the Holy Grail is. And the first one was, only a penitent man shall pass. And as he's entering this, this small cave, he keeps repeating those words as well as his, his dad, a penitent man, penitent man. What does it mean to be a penitent man? A penitent man is humble before God. He kneels before God, and just as the breath of God blows, he kneels and this blade comes right over where his head would have been and spares his life. This tax collector was humble says he couldn't even lift his eyes up to God, beating upon his breast because he was honest with himself. He says, I know my heart is corrupt. I know my heart is bad. Oh, God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Now, when we think about humbleness, sometimes what we think is humbleness means to put ourselves down, to belittle ourselves. That's not what humility is. I love this quote from Scott Weiland. Humility is not thinking less of ourselves." but thinking of ourself less. You got that? It's not thinking less of ourself, but it's thinking of ourself less. And he was not thinking about himself at all. He's just saying, God, have mercy. I'm unworthy even to be here praying in your presence. I am a sinner. And that's where it begins. When we're honest with our hearts, that our hearts are broken, that our hearts are impure, and when we cry out to God, he hears us. The other P word is passionate. He was passionate about who he was, beating upon his breast, crying out. I imagine tears coming down his eyes. Perhaps he's even sobbing in the presence of God. Have you ever done that in your prayers? Have you ever been passionate in prayer so much so that the tears come and that you find yourself sobbing before God? God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Help me, O oh God. Have mercy upon me. Show me your way. He didn't look at his own worthiness like the Pharisee. Instead, he looked at his own unworthiness and cried out to God for mercy and help. He threw himself on God's mercy. Not that he earned it, not that he deserved it. That's what grace is all about. We trust in God by faith in his grace. It's a free gift so that no one can boast. And God had mercy upon him. He goes on to say then that um, the Pharisee, I tell you this man went down to his house justified, 
rather than the other. Justification, again, we talked about that as one of our articles of religion. It's, it's a judicial term, means to be found not guilty. He was not guilty anymore. He was forgiven. He was freed. The Pharisee, no. Why? He, he didn't even see himself as needing forgiveness or mercy. He was blind to sin his own life, but not the tax collector. And he went to his house justified, forgiven, a new person. My friends, prayer does change things, but prayer changes us. Prayer changes us, just like it did in the life of this tax collector. And then he closes with this zinger. You know, oftentimes Jesus will close his parables with, with this, these one-liners that you're like, oh my goodness, how about that? This is what he says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Wow. Just think about those one-liners behind. You know, the, the parable immediately before this about the widow woman He ends this one with, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Wow. What one-liners. You know, the first shall be last. The last shall be first. Amazing. So he ends with this reminding us, if you exalt yourself, you'll be put in your place. But if you humble yourself before God, he will lift you up and exalt you. So, how about you and your prayer life? Be honest about your prayer life today. How do you pray on purpose? Remember, God looks at the heart. Don't try and fake out God, because you can't do it. God already knows your heart. Do you pray about yourself a lot? A lot of eyes, a lot of me's? You know, we need to be careful. Yes, God is concerned about us, but it's not all about us. Do you pray so that God's will might be bent towards your will and he might do everything you ask of him? So like a little genie in a bottle. Oh, God, do this. Oh, God, do that. Oh, God, do this. Or do you humbly come before God with your heart wide open? Say, God, touch me, change me, heal me, being honest with him, confessing to him, and then letting God bend your will toward his. You see the difference? Praying to bend God's will toward yours or praying so that God will bend your will toward his so you know what he wants for you, what he has in mind for you. You know, we all have this battle of pride and selfishness along with humility. And his parable is for us to humble ourselves, to be honest with ourselves. I want to close um, with this little, it's almost a poem that was written by J.D. Walt. Um, he's with Seedbed, and he has a daily devotional called The Wake-Up Call. And he shared this the other day. It's entitled The Hard and Beautiful Truth. Listen. I don't want you to think I'm not a good person. That's what my old friend said to me upon meeting me after decades of being apart and a long confession of her broken story. I assured her, with the hard and beautiful truth. You are not a good person, and I'm not either. We are broken sinners. Something deep in me, and maybe in you as well, wants to believe you are good, or maybe worse, that you are bad. And all we need to do is just lose 20 pounds or drop a few bad habits, or just try harder, and we'll be better. Then I assure myself with the hard and beautiful truth. Good people... And bad people, it's just a lie from the pit of hell. And the way from good to great or bad to worse paves the way there. Listen to this. Jesus only goes from death to life. 
from lost to found, from slave to free, from broken to beautiful. And then she asked me, if you are not good, then what are you? Loved, I said. I am loved, and you are too. Do you know that today? Who are you? We're not good. (laughs) We're all broken sinners. But we are loved. God loves us. He forgives us. He accepts us when we come before him with a humble heart. Let's pray. Oh, God, we confess that we all are sinners. We confess, Lord, it's, it's so easy to look at ourselves and to be puffed up and prideful in, in what we've done. But, Lord, if we're honest, there's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of darkness in our hearts. So help us to be honest and truthful with you so that we, too, might be justified, so that we, too, might know that we are loved and we are forgiven and we are your children. Thank you for that good news today. And remind us that we are called to go and share it with others. Help us, Lord, to humble ourselves before you so that you may exalt us in the name of Jesus Christ.